Welcome to the History of North America. I'm Mark Vinette. King Henry IV wanted the French to begin settling in the New World in hopes that wealth could be brought back to France. So he sent an expedition in 1603 to locate a place on the North American continent to establish a colony and fur trade settlement. Although he held no official title at the time, Samuel Champlain would be among the men who would take part in this great venture. Let's learn more about this expedition with the help of our friends at LibriVox. The dominant characteristics of the life and achievements of Samuel Champlain, the founder of Quebec and the father of New France. Champlain was a navigator by instinct, and in his writings he gave to nautical science the first place. Quote, of all the most useful and excellent arts, he writes, that of navigation has always seemed to me to occupy the first place. For the more hazardous it is, the greater the perils and losses by which it is attended, so much the more is it esteemed and exalted above all others, being wholly unsuited to the timid and irresolute. By this art we obtain a knowledge of different countries, regions, and realms. By it we attract and bring to our own land all kinds of riches. By it the idolatry of paganism is overthrown, and Christianity proclaimed throughout all the regions of the earth. This is the art which won my love in my early years, and induced me to expose myself almost all my life to the impetuous waves of the ocean, and led me to explore the coasts of a portion of America, especially those of New France, where I have always desired to see the lily flourish, together with the only religion, Catholic, Apostolic, and Roman." After his return to France in the year 1601, Champlain received a pension, together with the appointment of geographer to the king. Pierre de Chauvin, sieur de Tontruy, who had unsuccessfully endeavoured to establish a settlement at Tadoussac, died at this time, while Champlain was residing in Paris. Here he had the good fortune to meet Aymar de Chastes, governor of the town and chateau of Dieppe, under whose orders he had served during the latter years of the war with the League. De Chastes, who had resolved to undertake the colonization of Canada, obtained a commission from the king, and formed a company composed of several gentlemen and the principal merchants of Rouen. François Gravet, Sieur Dupont, who had already accompanied Chauvin to Tadoussac, was chosen to return there and to examine the Sault Saint-Louis and the country beyond. Quote, Going from time to time to see the Sieur de Chastes, writes Champlain, judging that I might serve him in his design, he did me the honour to communicate something of it to me, and asked me if it would be agreeable to me to make the voyage, to examine the country, and to see what those engaged in the undertaking should do. I told him that I was very much his servant, but that I could not give myself license to undertake the voyage without the commands of the king, to whom I was bound, as well by birth as by the pension with which his majesty honoured me, to enable me to maintain myself near his person but that, if it should please him to speak to the king about it, and give me his commands, that it should be very agreeable to me, which he promised, and did, and received the king's orders for me to make the voyage, and make a faithful report thereof, and for that purpose M. de Jeff, secretary of his commandments, sent me with a letter to the said Dupont Gravé, desiring him to take me in his ship, and enable me to see and examine what could be done in the country, giving me every possible assistance. Quote, me voilà expédié, says Champlain. I leave Paris, and take passage on Pont Gravé's ship in the year 1603, the 15th of the month of March. The voyage was favourable for the first fifteen days, but on the 30th a heavy storm arose, quote, more thunder than wind, quote, which lasted until April 16th. On May 6th the vessel approached Newfoundland and arrived at Tadoussac on the 24th. Here they met with about one hundred Indians, under the command of Anadabijou, who were rejoicing on account of their recent victory over the Iroquois. The chief made a long harangue, speaking slowly. 
He congratulated himself upon his friendship with the French nation, and stated that he was happy to learn that the king was anxious to send some of his subjects to reside in the country and to assist them in their wars. Champlain was also informed that the Echemins, the Algonquins, and the Montagnais, to the number of about one thousand, had lately been engaged in warfare with the Iroquois, whom they had vanquished with the loss of one hundred men. On June 9th following, Champlain witnessed the spectacle of a grand feast given by the Indians in commemoration of their victory. The celebration consisted of dances, songs, speeches, and games. Tessouat, the Sagamo of the Ottawas, was the chief captain, and took a prominent part in the demonstration. After a long description of these public festivities, Champlain gives ample details of the manners and customs of the Indians, especially of their superstitions. The Indians believed that a god existed who was the creator of all things, but they had a curious manner of explaining the creation of man. Quote, when man had made everything, they said, he took a quantity of arrows and fixed them in the earth, whence came men and women, who have increased ever since. End quote. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-218-6010. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-218-6010. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-218-6010. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. The Sagamo said they believed in the existence of a god, a son, a mother, and a son, that is, a celestial son that God was the greatest of the four, that the son and the son were both good, that the mother was a lesser person, and so was the father, who was less bad. The Indians were convinced that their deity had held communication with their ancestors. One day five Indians ran towards the setting sun where they met God, who asked them, quote, Where are you going? Quote, we are going to seek our life, they replied. Then God said, quote, You will find it here. End quote. But they did not hear the divine word and went away. Then God took a stone and touched two of them, and they were immediately turned into stones. Addressing the three other Indians, God asked the same question, quote, Where are you going? End quote. And he was given the same answer, quote, Do not go further, said the divine voice. You will find your life here. End quote. Seeing nothing, however, they continued their journey. Then God took two sticks and touched two of them, and they were at once turned into sticks. The fifth Indian, however, paused, and God gave him some meat, which he ate, and he afterwards returned to his countrymen. These Indian tribes had their jugglers, whom they called Pilatois, from the Basque or Hautemoin, which means a magician. These jugglers exercised great sway over the Indians, who would not hesitate to kill a Frenchman if the jugglers decided that it was necessary. In spite of their superstitions, Champlain believed that it would be an easy task to convert the Indians to Christianity, especially if the French resided near them. This desirable end was not to be attained without great difficulty, as Champlain soon realized, for the missionaries toiled for many years before their efforts were crowned with success. Champlain now proceeded to explore the river Saguenay for a distance of twelve to fifteen leagues, and he thus describes the scenery, quote, All the land I have seen is composed of rocks, covered with fir woods, cypress, birch, very unpleasing land, 
where I could not find a league of plain land on each side. He also learned from the Indians of the existence of Lake St. John, and of a salt sea flowing towards the north. It was evidently Hudson Bay to which these northern tribes directed Champlain's attention, and if they had not seen it themselves, they had probably heard of its existence from the Indians dwelling around the southern or southwestern shores of the bay, who came annually to Namiska Lake to trade their furs. This lake was halfway between Hudson Bay and the River St. Lawrence. The Callistinons and other Indians of the north had regular communication with their congénères scattered along the shores of the Saint-Maurice and the several rivers which flow into Lake St. John. When the French arrived in Canada with Chauvin in the year 1600, they began to monopolize the fur trade of all the Indian nations. But some years later, the English established themselves on the shores of Hudson Bay and prosecuted the trade for their own benefit. Champlain could not, evidently, have been in possession of any exact information as to the existence of this large bay, as he was searching for a northern passage to Cathay, the great desideratum of all the navigators and explorers of the time. After having promised to aid the various tribes gathered at Tadoussac in their wars, Champlain and Pontgravé proceeded to Sault-Saint-Louis. This expedition lasted fifteen days, during which they saw Hare Island, so named by Jacques Cartier, and the island of Orléans. The ship anchored at Quebec, where Champlain stopped to make a short description of the country watered by the St. Lawrence, and they then proceeded to Sault-Saint-Louis. Here Champlain gathered much valuable information relating to lakes Ontario and Erie, the Detroit River, Niagara Falls, and the rapids of the St. Lawrence. Returning to Tadoussac, he determined to explore Gaspésia, and proceeded to visit Percé and Malbay, where he met Indians at every turn. He was also informed by Prévert from Saint-Malo, who was exploring the country, of the existence of a copper mine. Champlain carefully noted all the information he had received, and after his return to Tadoussac, he sailed again for France on August 16, 1603, and reached Havre de Grasse after a passage of twenty-one days. On his arrival in France, he heard that Aymar de Chastes had died a few weeks previously, on August 13th. This was a great loss to Canada, and especially to Champlain, for he was convinced that the noble and enterprising de Chastes was seriously disposed to colonize New France. Quote, in this enterprise, he says, I cannot find a single fault, because it has been well inaugurated. End quote. With the death of de Chastes, the project of colonizing would undoubtedly have fallen through, had not Champlain been present to promote another movement in this direction. Champlain had an interview with the king, and presented him with a map of the country which he had visited, and placed in his hands a relation of his voyage. Henry the Fourth was so favorably impressed that he promised to assist Champlain in his patriotic designs. Check out the YouTube version of this episode, which has accompanying images. I'm Mark Vinette. And I hope you're enjoying the ride. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ.